Anyway, let's get right into it. I'm, I'm beginning a new series this morning, and it's not going to be a lengthy series, at least in my estimation at this point. But my series is Creatures of Habit. Creatures of Habit, changing, uh, changing the old ways. How many know that sometimes we've got to flip the page and change? Uh, we don't like changing. People don't, I, listen, the older I get, the more I like things just the way they are. But sometimes we need to change. And, uh, uh, you know, we need to adjust our sails to the new winds that are blowing, right? Uh, he said, behold, I do a new thing. And so we, uh, we, we want to look over the next few weeks at some of the habits, good and bad, that we need to, that we need to work on. Uh, this morning, my message title is First Things First. First Things First. Of course, the obligatory text is Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says these words, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things. What things? All the things that we worry about, right? You know, if you look in the context of what he was talking about, he's talking about uh, don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about what you're going to eat and what you're going to drink and where you're going to lay your head at night. Don't, don't struggle with those things because he said you need to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all these things will be added to you. That's his promise to take care of us. So may the Lord add his blessing to his word this morning. Again, welcome to the first Sunday of the new year. Now, I know we're almost a week into the new year and uh, you know, I, I told the early service, I said, you know, I started out last year with this idea. I, was want, I wanted to lose 10 pounds during 2023. I'm starting 2024 wanting to lose 15 pounds. I'm going to get there, you know. <laughs> uh, but no matter whether you celebrate the, the, the surviving of the old one or the kicking off of a new one, we're at a new year and uh, we're looking into a, I really believe, a tremendously filled year of opportunity and possibilities. Again, regardless of how you ended up 2023, every one of us here today sit in the same spot with the opportunity to change the course of our lives. Every one of us has the same opportunity, whether I'm, we're sitting here in person or we tuned in online this morning. And I, and I said it last week, there, there's nothing magical about turning the calendar from December of 2023 to January of 2024. There's nothing really magical about it. Uh, I've shared the story before, but when my son was was uh, a teenager, early teens. I'm, I'm not one of those guys to sit up at night. I, I like my sleep. Okay, so I'm not a, I, I haven't seen midnight. If I see midnight, there's an issue. Because I, I, I want to go to bed. I, I enjoy my rest. So I've never been one to sit up and watch the new year. I, I just don't do that. But one year when my kids were growing up, my, my son was always get mad at me because I'd say, all right, it's time to go to bed at 10 o'clock. It's time to go to bed. Well, Dad, it's, the new, it's, new, Christmas, it's new Year's Eve. I don't care. You're going to wake up in the new year. You'll be fine. So when we got early teenager, teenage years, I decided, well, you know what? Okay, I'll let my son sit up to watch the new year come in. So we're sitting in the living room in the den watching the New Year's Eve shindig on TV. You know, we'd have New York, we'd have the ball that drops, you know, counting down the new year. I told the early service, I'm from Mobile, Alabama. We don't have a ball. We have a, we have a moon pie. <laughs> True story. Mobile, Alabama drops a moon pie on New Year's Eve. So, so uh, we're, sit we're sitting there watching this ball drop on TV. You know, and you got the countdown, and you got all this fanfare, and the, and the fireworks going off, and, and all of a sudden it gets to the bottom, and the, the the crescendo and everything, the climax of it all, and things are popping and shooting off. And I look at him and say, Happy New Year, son. And he looks at me with this dumbfounded look. 
That's it? That's it? I'm like, yeah, now go to bed. <laughs> you know, that's, there, there's really nothing. I, I don't know what he was thinking, what he was expecting. Maybe we were all uh, growing up, we all had this idea that something happened. There really isn't anything magical about turning the page from, Jan, from December to January. But I will say this, there is something powerful about mentally resetting and adjusting ourselves to the new winds that are blowing. Again, through Isaiah, God said, I'm going to do something new. And if my sails are always adjusted to what God used to do, then I'll miss out on what he's doing now through the pneuma of the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? So I have to learn how to adjust my sails. So that's what the New Year's all about to me. I, uh, I used to play golf more than I do now, but there's a term in golf that I've used before. I like it. It's called a mulligan. Everybody know what a mulligan is? I love mulligans. They're my friends. Mulligan means do-over, <laughs> and uh, I, I like to do-over. I like, I like it. I don't play as much anymore with my lower back. I'm a little bit, I'm scared. I don't like, I'm allergic to one thing. Yeah, you guys are great. <laughs> I don't like pain, and the last time I hurt my back really bad, I was swinging a golf club, so I don't do that much anymore, but I enjoy, uh, <coughs> I've always enjoyed a little bit of golf. It's one of those games that's very addictive. You go out there and you hit the ball, and you do a good shot, and you think, man, I'm PGA quality. <laughs> you get that right down the middle, but then it takes you 10 years to get another shot just like that one. <laughs> so so, so, so there have been times I've gone, out to the, I've gone out to the golf course, and I've teed up my ball, and I got in my stance, you know, and I'm ready to hit the ball. And in my mind, I'm going I'm to hit that ball, and it's going to go 350 yards. I mean, I've got it in my head. I've already seen that play out. It's going to be an astounding shot. People are going to go, Yee! you know, they're going to be excited. Here's what I do. I tee up the ball. I take that swing. I swing with everything in me and make contact with the ball. But I muff the shot. And it goes three feet in front of me. That happens more often than I'd like to admit. <laughs> Ends up three feet in front of me. You know what I do? I call a mulligan. <laughs> I get a do-over. And the second shot's always better than the first shot. So I'll, I'll do a do-over. You know what? In life, we do the same thing, do we not? i got to fix that. We do the same thing. I mean, I, 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 I think about it. Last year, so, so think about this same time, 2023, you teed up life, okay? Your dreams, your hopes, your anticipation. You got up to the you got up to the tee box, man, you were ready to, you're ready to take that swing, hit that shot, and 2023 was going to be your year. So you get up there, you tee that thing off, and, 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 and you're ready to launch the, the year, and you take the swing, and you wonder now, looking back, how things got so messed up. That's where a lot of people are right now. You swung, you swung hard. You try to practice your fundamentals. You fully intended on making a lot of progress, but yet today we sit here on the first Sunday of 2024 and things largely remain unchanged. We just transfer from one year to the next. We just move the th change the three to a four, and here we are again. And that's the way a lot of people live their lives. Um, you know, our commitment to Christ is, a, is adultery. You know, we have no, no joy. You know, we go through the motions. There's no... There's no vivaciousness. How about that word? <laughs> I had to look that one up. Uh, there, there's no zeal in our worship. There's no zeal in our service. We, again, it's just, it's just kind of dull. 
uh, service to his kingdom. We're not very involved. We're not very active. Uh, our relationships are a mess. Our finances are a mess. And joy seems to be an elusive thing for our lives. See, that's where a lot of people are starting 2024. If this is the case, if this is where you find yourself this morning, let me just say this. Take a mulligan. Take a mulligan. 2023 is over. 2024 is now beginning. Take a mulligan, get a do-over, tee it up again, and try. Because this year is filled with opportunities and possibilities as we walk in covenant relationship with the Lord. You don't have to remain in a perpetual state of frustration and disillusionment. You don't have to be there. You can have a great year. How many believe that? You can have a great year. And so that's what we want to talk about. This morning, I'm kicking off a new series, again, as I said, entitled Creatures of Habit. And I want to look at some of the habits that we need to look at in 2024. Now, habit, how many know habits are really important? Habit, habits are important. It's been said that we are the sum total of the decisions that we make and the habits we develop. I would, I would agree with that statement. We are the sum total of the decisions that we make and the habits that we develop. One researcher suggested that over 40% of our daily activities are done out of habit. Anybody witness that? I mean, you get up in the morning, how many of us have the same routine? You know, we get out of bed, we put our slippers on, we go to the bathroom, wash our face, you know, it's just the same. We get the coffee going, if you drink coffee, we, we get the kids up, screaming at the dog, running late, hit the snooze button 50,000 times. We're creatures of habit. And, and again, it's a comfortable spot. I'm, I'm the, the older I get, the more I like things just the way they are. It's, it's comfortable. You know, I've, but here's the thing. When it gets into your spiritual life, it's a dangerous thing. I've known people in my 30 years of pastoring here, I've, I've seen, I've witnessed people who have become stuck in their spiritual lives because of bad habits they developed. They're not, they're not bad people, they just got stuck. And that's what I want to prevent. If, if I can have any influence over anybody, that's what I want to prevent is from us, all of us, getting stuck in 2024. I don't want to, uh, what is it, Groundhog Day? I don't want us to go through over and over and over again the same day, over and over again, the same year, over and over again. Let's do something different. You know, the reason that habits are so important is that we become what we repeatedly do. If, I, if you're stuck this morning in a rut... I would suggest look at the habits that you have. Look at some of those things that you do on a regular basis and, and, and under the illumination of the Spirit, see if that can, is conducive to your spiritual well-being. You know, Jesus, if you read through the Gospels, Jesus had habits. In fact, in Luke chapter, 5, uh, excuse me, Luke chapter 5, verse 16, it reads like this, that he continued his habit of retiring to a deserted place and praying. So what is that telling me? He's telling me Jesus had a habit of going off somewhere to pray. It was his habit. Luke chapter 4 verse 16 says it like this. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up and on the Sabbath day he went to the synagogue as was his custom or his habit. What is that telling us? It said Jesus went to church. It was his habit, his lifestyle. It wasn't a debate. It wasn't an argument. It wasn't uh, you know, uh, casting lots or shooting craps or whatever. He just went to church. It was his custom. It was his habit. This morning, I want us to look at some habits that we can develop now to help us have the best 2024 we've ever had. 
I know we say that every year. The potential is there for the best year you've ever had. I, I truly believe that. We, I, I don't want to live in the past. Thank God for what he's done. But I want to see what he's doing next. You see, if you sit here this morning and, our, and your relationship with Jesus is not where it needs to be, hear me, nothing else really matters in your life. Until this is connected right, I would say this to teenagers, until you get a vibrant relationship with Christ, don't worry about your date life. It's important. I would say, don't worry about the next job or the next bonus or the next... Th- if this is not right, that is where things begin. If you can't get this right, don't try to find a husband. Don't try to find a wife. Find Jesus. Look for him, search for him, and lay that foundation and then start building on it. We get it so backwards. We get it backwards. We, we go try to find all these things and then we want to... Don't do that. If, you're gonna, if nothing else really matters... Only a vibrant relationship with Christ can give us a fulfilling life. Don't believe me? The Bible says some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but we will do what? Trust in the name of the Lord our God. What does that mean? It means all the institutions of man that have been created, you put your confidence and your trust in, they'll let you down. And you know what? We are all witnesses that that's true. Everything that we thought was unshakable has been shaken. Everything we thought was enduring has not endured. But there's one thing that always does. It's him. It's that relationship. So until this connection's right, nothing else will be right. So, so if we're going to have that, those habits that help us to have a great 2024, what do we need to do? Well, here's the counsel of Jesus in our text. This is the words of Christ. It's in red. I mean, how many's ever read your, have, has a red Bible? An R-E-D Bible, an R-E-A-D Bible. That's a, two good reds. So here's what he said. Seek first the kingdom of God. That's it. The counsel of Jesus to have a great 2024 is to seek first the kingdom of God. So let's look at three things real quick this morning, three habits to set out the course for 2024. Number one, worship. Everybody say worship. There's something powerful about that word, worship. It, again, it's almost an obligatory point to say in, new, in the new year, but listen to me, worship must be a priority in your life. It has to be. Hebrews chapter, t- chapter 10 verse 22 says, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. What is he telling us? He, he's saying, look, this is the first step. If, if you want to lay a foundation and have a successful, growing relationship with Christ, the first step is to worship. Worship must be a priority in our lives. The truth is, you can't make it to first base without regularly worshiping the Lord, spiritually. You're, you're, not, you're never going to achieve what you want to achieve or do what you feel like God's called you to do until worship becomes a, par, a priority of your life. And I'm not just talking about singing a few songs every now and then. How many know worship's more than that, right? Worship is more than a tune. It's more than a melody. It's more than the style of a song. Worship is an attitude that permeates every fiber of my being. That's what worship is. Worship is the highest privilege of a believer. And what what a worship service this morning. I mean, 
there's something powerful that connects us when we worship. You know, the Bible says he lives by that praise. And, and if you truly want to uh, see the power and the glory of God, connect with him through worship. It's important. But you know what? Not only is worship about the, the attitude of our heart through our music, worship is also about fellowshipping with God's people on a regular basis. Boy, you're going to get quiet now. Hebrews 10, 25 says, Let us not, not, let us not give up meeting together. Now, that's not my words. Ah, preacher, you just want to fill the church up. Well, yeah, I do. But that's not the purpose of the message nor the text or this verse. He said, let us not give up meeting together. And notice what he says here as some are in the habit of doing. Did you get that? How many of those somebody's got a habit of not being in church? Don't raise your hand. I want to know them. <laughs> they have a habit of not being in church. He said, don't do that. And then he adds this addendum to it, if you want to call it that. He said, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Well, what day is he talking about? Well, he's talking about the second coming. He's talking about the end of times. How many believe we're living in the last days? Yeah, I don't think anybody would, would argue otherwise. He said, okay, if you see the last days, don't stop getting together. Don't make it a habit of missing, being out of service. Come together. And, and again, worship. listen, worship in God's house with God's people is important. And I know it's been marginalized by many who name the name of Christ, and many have also made it a... a Basically, what's happened today is it seems like, particularly in Western culture, that many believers have made Jesus an add-on to their already busy life. He's an addition. He's not Lord. He's an addition. And so what that means is if they can fit him in, if they can schedule it just so, then they'll be there. But if not, no big deal. You know, he said, don't, don't get in the habit of doing that. Don't get in the habit of doing that. The result is, if, if that's the way we live our lives as a Christian, no wonder we struggle. No wonder we're, we're, we don't have the joy that, we, that we've been promised through our relationship with the Lord. I'm not saying being in church absolutely makes you a better Christian. I'm saying if you're, if you're a better Christian, why would you not want to be in the church at the house of God? That, that, that's my opinion. Right, he said, don't do that. Listen, if we look at him as an add-on, you know what? He's the first thing we cut when schedules get tight. That, that's just the reality. You can, any matrix that you want to use, you can see that. If we're so busy in life, people say, you know what? I've just been so busy. I'm just not going to go today. First thing. They don't think about the ball game yesterday. They go to the ball game yesterday, but they do say, we can't go to church because I'm too busy. Now, again, and here's the thing. I, I already know the objections, and I'll get a few emails this week. I love you anyway. And, and, and here's the objections. Well, preacher, that's just legalism. Well, call it what you want, but it's the Bible. If Jesus thought enough about the church, the Bible says he loved the church and gave himself for her. What does that mean? He died for the church. If Jesus loves the church enough to give his life for the church, can we not at least love it enough to be a part of it? Again, it just, it's counterintuitive to me. He loved the church and he gave himself for it. Putting Christ first means just that. 
It means nothing else comes before him. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't take a vacation. That I, I'm talking about as in the habit of. That's what I'm talking about. Because we'll jump on that quick. Well, preacher said, I got to be in church every Sunday. That's not what this preacher said. I said, don't get in the habit of missing. We should be more on than more off. See, worshiping God, if I'm going to have a, a, a 2024 that I, I really want it to be right now, then worship must be a priority of my life. God is our creator. He's our savior. He died for us. Surely we can live for him. He deserves the best. He deserves our best. And, and, and look, I'll be the first one to admit, the church is not perfect. Anybody figured that out yet? You know why? Because you're here. And I'm here. <laughs> We, we're not perfect. We're forgiven. I understand. I understand the church has really at times has caused profound hurt in people. I used to have this, well, I used to, I still say it sometimes. There's nothing meaner than a mad Pentecostal. Or there's nothing meaner than a mad churchgoer. And we smile and we laugh at that because we know it's true. I mean, how many times have we seen somebody, you know, out in, the, out in the public, you know, a believer that we know who doesn't get the service that they thought they deserved, and boy, they just, man, they let that person have it. We, don't get me on my soapbox. <laughs> I used to tell you all the time, if you're going to invite somebody to church, leave a tip. If you're not going to leave a tip, don't tell them to come to this church, because I don't want them to think we're a bunch of cheapskates here, Right? <laughs> So, so, again, the church is not, we, think about what the church does. We overlook things, we forget things, we drop the ball, we miss opportunities. But you know what? The body is made up of human becomings. I don't say human beings, I say human becomings because you know why? He's still working on me. He's still working on me. As long as I have breath and as long as I'm in this world, he's still going to be working on me. And, and sometimes I don't like it. Sometimes he takes me and he plops me on that wheel of Jeremiah 18 and that wheel starts spinning around. And my tendency is I want to get off the wheel because I don't like spinning. And the Bible says he, that potter takes his hands and he, he puts it in that, on that clay and he begins to squeeze. I don't like being squeezed either. I'm not, I'm not Wonder Bread, you know, not the Charmin. He squeezes and the Bible says when he makes me, and I'm, I, then, he, then he says I'm flawed. You know what he does? And he starts over. He's still working on me. He's still working on each of us. What I'm saying is the church is not perfect. We're made up of people that are still on a journey of being transformed day after day after day after day. Cut it some slack. Listen, I love, I love my BT family more than I, with everything in my being. As a young pastor at 27 years of age, I walked into this church with my young family, and we have poured the best years of our lives into this church. I could never go to another church and do what I have done here anywhere else, because I've poured the best that I have into this body. I love serving this body. But here's the thing. I've blown it at times. I've made people mad. I've overlooked things. I have neglected things, forgotten things. You know what? And I'll probably do it in the future. I've offended people, never intentionally. I would never intentionally offend anybody. But I have. And I'm probably going to do it again. Not intentionally. So here's what I'm going to say. Forgive me. 
for what I'm going to do tomorrow <laughs> or next week or next month or next year because I'm still a flawed product that's learning through His grace every day. I'm saying that worship must be a priority of our lives. If, we're going to go, if we want to go where God wants us to go in 2024. Number two, word number two, work. Everybody say work. work. Work's a four-letter word. You know that? A lot of people approach it just like that. Here's the significant truth of Scripture. God created us to work. That's a good amen spot. Our, our, culture, our culture doesn't believe that. In our culture today, everybody owes somebody else. Everybody else is, you know, we got this, this mindset in our culture today that you owe me. If you got more money than I do, then you got to pay my way. That's, nowhere in Scripture does it teach that. That's a bunch of malarkey. That's a, my, here's my theological term. You know what? Well, my theological term for thoughts like that is B-O-L-O-G-N-A. <laughs> but we have a mindset. Our culture today has become lazy. And we don't want to work. But one of the highest joys and fulfillments of your life will come when you work. We were created to work, not just vocational work, but kingdom work. I shared this with you before, but we used to take a team every year out to Phoenix, Arizona. We'd go out to, they do a pastor school, a church of about 17,000 people out there. And Tommy Barnett, one of my heroes of faith. And, and I was out there one day, and I ran across a guy who was picking up paper. He had a, had a, had a bag, and he had a, a stick, and, or a grabber, had a grabber, and he was picking up trash from the conference. There was a few thousand people there. And so we started a conversation, and I asked him, you know, we just, he asked if this was my first time. I said, no, I've been coming out here a long time. And, and I got around to just, hey, well, so do you work for the church? He said, oh, no. He said, I, I'm just volunteering today. I said, okay, well, so, so what do you do for a living? He said, well, he said, it's kind of a difficult question. He said, he said I'm, a, I'm a corporate lawyer. That's what I do. But that's not who, and this is his words. He said, but that's not who I am. He said, I'm a servant of God. He said, so, so this is my church. And he said, when we do these events, he said, I'll volunteer. He said, some days I may, I may be counting offerings. Some days I might be processing uh, papers for connections and things like that he said today they needed help with people with grounds crew cleaning up grounds crew he said so today that's what I'm doing I'm picking up trash and it, and it just it shocked me that a corporate lawyer from Phoenix would be walking around the campus of a church picking up trash and I love what he said he said that I'm a lawyer that's what I do that enables me to be who I am see we were created to work and again, not just vocationally, but kingdom, uh, kingdom work. Paul said that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which the Lord ordained that we should walk in them before we were ever born. What does that mean? It means we were created to work and serve. We cannot fulfill our Christian walk and neglect work. It won't, it, it, we can't do that. Contentment in our Christian journey, it, I think, is, is proportional to the service that we provide for our kingdom. I believe that people come in that, you know, I have opportunities throughout the year to sit down with people that are going through all kinds of struggles and trials and tribulations and things like that. And, and oftentimes people that come in that have lost their joy or maybe struggling with depression or whatever, I'll always say the same thing. Have you found a place to serve yet? Have you found something to do? 
Because isn't it amazing? How, how, maybe you've had that same experience to where you've done something. You, 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 you're overwhelmed with, your, with, with life. You're overwhelmed with your circumstances and things that are not going well. But yet you go out to serve somebody and all of a sudden your perspective changes. Isn't it amazing? When you start serving, all of a sudden our eyes open because we look at our problems and think nobody else in the world has anything remotely as painful as what we're dealing with. And then God te teams us up with somebody who's struggling much worse than us. And we serve them, we love on them, and all of a sudden our perspective changes. And we get joy back. And we trust in God again. See, that's what it does. That's how it helps us. You know, for us to have a great year, we need to find our place in kingdom work and work. Do you realize there's a world right outside the doors of these church, uh, this church right now that's ripe for the gospel of Jesus Christ? It is ripe. But without willing helpers, laborers, they will be lost for eternity. That's the reality that we've got to face. Again, I say it all the time, every one of these chairs, empty chairs, represents a soul for whom Christ died and we're charged reaching. We need to reach them. Jesus said, look up, lift up your eyes and see that the field is already ripe unto harvest. Nowhere in Scripture were we ever commanded to pray for the harvest. We were prayed to pray for the workers. Why? Because the harvest is plentiful. That's what he said. The harvest is plentiful. It's the workers. It's the workers. How many's ever had a know the term bumper crop? Bumper crop. I, I love peaches. I love peaches right off the tree. And there, there used to be a peach orchard down in Whitney that I'd go to, and I'd go and man, they'd have trees. Some of those, some of them, they'd have to take two befores and shove underneath the limbs of those trees because they were loaded down with peaches dropping off the trees themselves onto the ground. You pick them up and juice runs down your, your arm and you take a bite and it runs down your beard, your face. Ah, woohoo! that's good stuff. Ripe. Acres of ripe peaches. He said, go harvest it. That's the way I look at the harvest field. He said, it's ripe unto harvest. There, there are limbs that are hanging low See, that's the thing about the harvest. Some of them are hanging so low that it wouldn't take much of an effort to go out and reap them. Some of them are a little bit higher, so it takes a little more effort and a little more creativity. But you know what? We can still reach them. We're not building rockets. We're just reaching people. But it requires work. So oftentimes we miss work because it comes dressed in coveralls and looks like work. <laughs> we miss those opportunities. At the beam of Christ, I want you to hear this the judgment seat of Christ, the beam of Christ. Do you know that only that which is of kingdom significance will survive the fire? What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and he loses his soul? What does it profit a man if he works and he builds a career, he builds a reputation, but he never does anything of kingdom significance at the beam of Christ? All these works, all these efforts will be burned up because only that which is done for him survives the fire. So that's what I'm saying is that we've all been called to do something of the kingdom, invest. So what I'd say this morning, you know, our greatest fulfillment comes from kingdom service. And it's so sad that so many people get so caught up in the busyness of life that they don't have time to serve. Here's what I'd say for 2024. Find a place. Tommy Barnett always had the saying, find a, find a need and fill it, find a hurt and heal it. 
What a great motto. What a great motto. Find a need and fill it. Find a hurt and heal it. We're a yes church. I've said this many times. We are a yes church. What does that mean? It means if we don't have a ministry that you're called for, let's talk about it. All the stuff that goes on here uh, for 30 years. When I came 30 years ago, here's what we had. Our ministry here consisted of Sunday morning, Sunday night, sometimes Wednesday night. The 30 people that were here. That's what it consisted of. And as the church grew and God's grace became evident, we started adding ministries. Now we reach people all over the place through all kinds of means. You know what, if we don't have a ministry that you're called to, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Let's see how we can work that into the vision of what God's called Bethel to do. If you haven't found a place, find a place. You know, even Paul, Paul, a couple times through the, in, the, in the scriptures, in his letters, he commented about people's work. Romans chapter 6, verse 16, here, he said this. He said, greet Tryphena and Tryphosa, those women, here's what he said about them, those women who work hard for the Lord. I'm sometimes convicted by that because I'm thinking, why didn't he say, and Mike? He, com- he commended the women for their work. I- I'm-, I'm being a little bit facetious and funny, but you understand what I'm talking about. Find a place. Find some way. Now, I understand things change, right? We get older, and here's what happens always. i got to hurry. Here's what happens. I'm just letting you know I know what time it is. <laughs> we, as we get older, we, we feel guilty. People that have grown up serving the Lord, doing ministry, feel guilty when you hear a sermon like this. This is not about guilt, okay? I understand ministry has to change. Your ministry, as you age, has to change, as mine does. One of the things about growing old and, and, and older is the fact that there are things I can't do anymore. I don't have the same, that's why I said I've invested all my energies here. I don't have the same stamina. And it really pains me to say that because I've always been an active, outgoing person, full of energy, full of vitality. I don't have as much as I used to. I get tired. There's a, there's a thing called uh, NAPS that I really enjoy. <laughs> uh, and, and I'm learning to take a few more naps than what I used to. And I'm finding they're enjoyable. In fact, I want to put a sofa bed in my office so that I can take a little snooze there, you know? <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, I was telling early service, you know, used to back when I got here in 1993 at 27 years old, there was nothing for me to run and jump right off this platform and just keep on going. When Kurt did that a few weeks ago back in, in December, and I looked at that and I thought, I bet I could still do that. So I got up here, and I started looking at it, and I'm looking down there, and it's not very far, but I'm looking down there, and I'm thinking, okay, so uh, 10 minutes of pleasure or six months of traction? Ah, <laughs> uh, for neither. <laughs> so, so I'm having to learn there. I can't go with the same level I used to. I don't have the same drive. Oh, my spirit's willing. I know there are a lot of elderly people, and I love the multi-generational church here, and young people celebrate the old people here. It's important that you celebrate them. They, man, you look at their, their energy back in the day. Boy, they did things that you can't even begin to imagine. I love the elderly here. But you know what? As we get older, we can't do as what we used to do. But you know what? The ministry doesn't stop because you change and transition. Your ministry shifts. And the batons pass to a new generation. Work. I love this little poem that I come across. 
He said he couldn't speak before a crowd. He couldn't teach a class. But when he came to Sunday school, he brought the folks in mass. He couldn't sing to save his life in public, couldn't pray. But always his jalopy was just crammed on each Lord's Day. And though he could not sing nor speak nor teach nor lead in prayer, he listened well and he had a smile and he was always there. When all the others whom he had brought who lived both near and far and God's work prospered for he had a consecrated heart. Let us have a consecrated heart. Let me ask you, what kind of work are you going to do for the Lord in 2024? If you want to have that type of year that we've talked about, you need to find a spot, find a ministry, find a place and get plugged in. There, there are plenty of things to do here. There are plenty of places that you can get involved. You can get involved at whatever level that you want to. We have some things that, you know, like our worship team, they practice, they're part of it. Be a part of that. They practice every week. They work every week. Sunday school, classes, we've got women's ministry, men's ministry, youth ministry, children's ministry, outreach, all kinds of stuff that you can get involved. Find a place. And if we don't have that, come see me. Let's make a place. Find something to do. Let's, let's see what we can do together. You know, I'd love to, I told the early services, but uh, Patricia, I'm going to borrow, I, I'd love to take, have her sit, no, you don't have to come up here. <laughs> She's about to pass out. <laughs> I, I'd love to take all these chairs on this, this section right here. Dream with me for a moment. Wouldn't it be nice if we stacked up all of these chairs on this front row, and every Sunday we had nursing homes that pushed in people in wheelchairs and lined them up across the front? Wouldn't that be great? I still dream of that. I know, I know that through our BT seniors, they come to, our, uh, to the functions that they do, and it's such a joy to be able to have them. But I'd love every Sunday to see just this front row here filled with, with people. I'd love to see special needs ministry again. Some of you may not know this, but back years ago, back in the late 90s, early 2000s, Bethel Temple came, was renowned for special needs ministry. We actually had a ministry uh, that was going on at that time that was recognized nationally, number four out of all the churches in the United States, we were number four for the special needs ministry that we did here. They flew in one, they flew in one Sunday, had a big presentation, presented us with a plaque for the ministry that we did. I'd love to see special needs. I'd love, listen, if we're going to reach people, why not go after the ones that are rejects and outcasts? Go for those who, whom nobody else will go for. You see, isn't it, isn't it sad today that we got churches that, that, that they do surveys to see what type of people they want to come to their church? If you don't know that, there, there is a theme. They call it demographics. And they want to study demographics to see dem, what, what demographics would fit in the church. Fit? What are you talking about fit? You bring in the lost. You go to the highways and the byways and you, you bring them in. You bring out the social rejects and the societal uh, outcasts. You bring them in. Get them saved and watch what God will do. Then they'll fit. Then they'll fit. But we can't do it without workers. We can't do it without people that are dedicated to do that kind of stuff. Paul said in Romans chapter 12, he said, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Never grow, listen, don't grow weary in well-doing for in due season. Some of the ministries that started this, your fam and some other ministries that, that have been going on, they're very embryonic and they're growing and they're developing. He said, don't, don't grow tired of that. Don't be weary in doing what you're doing and thinking that it doesn't make a difference and it doesn't change. Keep doing what you're doing because one day 
It's going to blow up. You're going to see the harvest. You're going to see something reap because you were faithful and you did not give up. What I'm saying is that we need to be a church in 2024 that's not afraid to worship and we're not afraid to work. I know I'm preaching to the choir because we work. We are a busy place. I don't want to be busy that I miss ministry. Lastly is this. I'm going to close. Guys, come on back. Here's the last thing. Witness. Worship, work, and witness. Matthew 28, 19, we know it well. We call it the Great Commission. Says, therefore go into all the world and do what? Preach the gospel. Make disciples. Baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. And he said, surely I'm with you always, even to the end. The Great Commission was given to the church to carry the gospel far and wide. I need to tell you, our service to the Lord, we don't serve to earn our salvation, we serve because of our salvation. That's a big difference. We don't serve to earn, we serve because of. And then we witness. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus told the disciples to hang out. And he said, hang out until the promise comes. Do you remember why the Holy Spirit was poured out? It, was, it wasn't about tongues. It wasn't about interpretation. Glossolalia or xenolalia. It wasn't about that. It wasn't about gifts of miracles, the power gifts, things like that. It wasn't about any of that. Oh, they accompany the Spirit. I'm not saying they don't, Okay. But what I'm saying is if you look at what Jesus said, he said, and you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be what? Witnesses. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit was a, an enablement to witness of the good news of Jesus Christ. Do you know the sad reality is right now in Western culture, most believers in the West never share their faith. It's in the 80 percentile. Never share their faith once. God forgive us. The sad that's the sad reality where we are. You know, our theme this morning, uh, or this year, was the same as last year. You see these little banners over here. Each one bring one. It's not hard. You know, you can advertise. We have a billboard that we put up. You know, we, that billboard, we try to communicate messages. We don't really say a whole lot about the church. It's always usually something about Easter, something about Christmas, some type of encouraging thing. Advertising really isn't a big... You, what's the ROI? You don't have a very good return on your investment. You don't have it at all. I'll tell you what people are doing today. If you want to see people that are coming into the church body through discipleship, through salvation, through whatever, it's through word of mouth. It's one friend inviting another friend, inviting another friend, inviting another friend. We need to be witnesses. Can you commit this year to bringing one person, activating one person in the body in 2024? Take that challenge. Look around. There, there are people that have drifted to the fringe. Again, they're not bad people. They just got stuck. They're on the fringe. They're, they're not in the life flow of the church. They're not, they're not flowing with the body. They just kind of got stuck. And we know how it is. How many of you ever heard somebody say, when you have invited them to church, they said, oh, you know, I just got out of the habit of going, right? I got out of the habit of going to church. Well, you know what? Let's get them back in the habit of going to church. Maybe you need to go pick them up. 
Maybe you need to buy them lunch. Bake them a cake. Bring them pie. Maybe a card, a phone call. Commit this year. I love this quote. Robert Spear said, Any man who has religion is bound to do one of two things with it. Change it or spread it. If it isn't true, he must give it up. If it is true, he must give it away. That's the options. If what we have is real, we give it away. We, have, we found the pearl of great price. We found, we searched for him and found him. We found the pearl of great price. There's still people around us. There are people in our circles that are looking. They're try, oh, they're trying devices of man. They're trying drugs and alcohol and sex and all kinds of things to try to find that pearl. We found it. We found the light in darkness. What did he say do? He said, don't hide it. But shine it. That's what we're called to do. These are some foundational truths. Live, live your faith out loud and be a witness for Jesus in our community. Again, I think Bethel does a really good job. I commend you. I love this church. I love your heart. We've had people that have come in destitute, down, strung out, and I've watched you love on them. Don't ever stop that. He said, when man comes in and he's got gold all over his hands and fingers, don't send him down to the front to a preferred seat and sit somebody out there in the back. Embrace. Embrace people. Share the gospel with people. See, the gospel's for everybody. It's good news to all people. These, these, and these. Share the gospel. Live it out loud. Let's expand our reach, Bethel. Go after the fringe folks. Go after those who are teetering in the valley of decision. The world has come against them and they're, they're trying to convince them. Listen, don't get your, don't get your theology from, from History Network and the Learning Channel and Discovery Channel. I'm telling you right now. Don't get your theology from there. It's so slanted. I watched the show the other day and I thought, how in the world did they even come up with such a thing? You want God to speak to you? He's got 66 books right here that are filled that are filled with his revelation what if you're wrong what if I'm wrong what if you're wrong see if I'm wrong it's not a big deal I'll just die and have lived a good life and a happy life and I'll just die and, and go into annihilation and everything's okay but if you're wrong the Bible says there's a place where the worm dieth not, where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. And we don't talk about it. It's not popular in our culture today to talk about hell, but hell's a reality. Jesus spoke more of hell than he did heaven because he didn't want it for anybody. Church, as I close, let's worship together, let's work together, and let's witness wherever we go. Would you stand with me this morning? I want you to dream with me today. As we close this morning, we're going to have some altar time, but why don't you dream with me over the next few weeks? Again, this over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about habits, some good habits, some bad habits, but these are foundational habits. 
that I think if we get into right now, if we, if we set those up, what's, what's the definition of insanity? Keep doing the same thing the same way, expecting different results. If you want this year to be different than last year, do something this year you didn't do last year. Be willing to take the leap. I could spend a lot of time. I don't have time, but I could spend time talking about your marriage. If your marriage is, is boring, try something different. 